0: Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So as you can tell, I'm starting my message today from the back of the church. And the reason is, is that even though I am your pastor, and I want you to know I love and I thoroughly enjoy being your pastor, you also need to know I'm one of you. And you know what? There have been things in my life that I have done that have hurt other people. In fact, some of you in this very room are watching online, maybe, unfortunately, the recipient of maybe something I said or something that I did. And just like you, I also want you to know there's things that I've done in my life I hope you never find out about. Just like you. But I also need you to understand this. I've been hurt deeply by some of the things that people have said or things that people have done to me, just like you. And my dear friend, just like you, I have the scars to prove it. Have you ever asked, why do people wear long sleeves? One of the reasons why people wear long sleeves obviously is because it's cold outside, right? But I think there's another reason why people wear long sleeves. You know what it is? To hide their scars. I remember we were living in Florida, in Lake Wales, and one of my ministries there that I absolutely loved was working with college kids. I remember there there was this one young lady she was a volleyball player. She was very good, she was very gifted. But the other thing I noticed about her was during the hottest months of the year, August and September, she always wore long sleeves and I wondered why. And then as I got to know her I found out why she wore those. She was covering her scars. One night I was at home and I got a phone call from the hospital at Lake Wales. And this young girl was on the third floor. That was the watch floor. That was the floor that people went when they were in danger of hurting themselves. And so I went up to the hospital, and I can remember as I walked into the door, I stood in the doorframe, and there she was. And the very first thing I noticed, the very first thing I remember is that she was in restraints. When she looked at me, and I saw her, I said hi to her, and she said, hi, Pastor Bob, and it was quiet for a little while. And then I walked over to her, and after we had exchanged a few more pleasantries, I said to her, I said, do you trust me? It was quiet for a little while. And then she said, yes, Pastor Bob, I trust you. And then I said, no, I just, I really need to know, do you trust me? And she said, yeah. Yeah. So I grabbed her right hand, and I turned it over, and I began to slide her sleeve up her arm. When I first did that, she kind of pulled back a little bit. But then I said to her, I said, it's going to be okay. And I pulled that sleeve all the way up above her elbow. And you know what I saw? an arm full of scars. I grabbed a chair and a pen and I went over to her and I pointed at the scar closest to her elbow and I said, tell me about this one. She said, that's my mom and dad's divorce. And so I wrote on there, divorce. Then I went to the next one. I said, tell me about this one. And she said, that's when my dad told me that I was fat. And then I said, well, what about this one? And she said, that's when my mom told me, hmm, I wasn't good enough and I just worked my way down around, and I remember the next scar, I said, so tell me about this scar, What, what does this scar mean? And she goes, that's when my boyfriend broke up with me. After we had talked for a while, I just simply said to her, I said, I want you to remember something. These are scars, not of what is, but of what was. And I need you to understand that Jesus never intended for you to cover these scars. Do you remember where the disciples were right after Jesus was crucified? Remember where they were? They were hiding, right? They're behind locked doors. They were scared to death. Why were they scared? Well, they were scared because they thought maybe the Roman soldiers or somebody was going to come and get them and maybe kill them or throw them in prison. And so they were locked behind closed doors. And then on resurrection day, something really weird happened. Remember what it was? Jesus came and stood in their midst. Does anybody remember the very first thing Jesus said? peace. Peace be with you. And what did he do next? He showed him the wounds from the nails, and he showed them the wound from the spear. Well, the Bible tells us that on that particular moment, you remember that particular time, there was one disciple who wasn't there. Do you remember who was it? Thomas, right? He wasn't there. And when Thomas came back, all of the disciples were really excited. And they said, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. You Remember what Thomas said? (laughs) Yeah. Not unless I see and not unless I touch, I won't believe. I don't know if you know this, but do you realize that Jesus waited eight days before he showed up again? That's a long time. Thomas had to wait eight days before the Lord Jesus showed up again. Have you ever had to wait like that? Have you ever been in a place where where you're you're waiting for something to happen and you're wondering if it's gonna happen? And then the Bible tells us once again, Jesus showed up in the middle of them. And what did he say to them again? Peace. And then he said, Yo, Thomas. Come here. Can you imagine Thomas? And he walks over there. All of his disciples, his buddies are really excited. And Jesus says, Thomas. He goes, look. Look at my hands. What was he showing him? He was showing him the wounds, right? He wasn't showing Thomas the nails. The nails are gone. He's showing him the wounds. And you know what? This is now 10 days later. Maybe these wounds were now starting to heal and turn to scars. And in turning to scars, my friends, they were turning into a story. A story of love a story of redemption, a story of forgiveness, a story that is yours and a story that is mine. Stand with me out of respect for God's Word as I get my glasses and open my Bible. And I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 9 through 12, and then I'm also going to read verses 14 and 15. Here we go. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is God's Word for God's people let's pray together. Father, just as I have prayed and just as we prayed just now, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. May this be our life and our pattern. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the message that I want to talk to you about today in our third week of, hey, God, is this. So how do you forgive? And according to what we read, we need to know how to do it, right? So here's something that amazes me about Jesus. And I want you to think about this right not very hard. I want you to really ponder this, really meditate on this. Do you realize that the Lord Jesus Christ... The way he proved to his disciples and the rest of the world that he was in fact who he said he was by, his, was by his wounds. Do you understand that? His scars. That's how he proved to everybody that he was who he said he was. So Jesus shows up. People think, yeah, there's something familiar about him, but what was the giveaway? Take a look, fellas. Look, ladies. There's the proof. Jesus identifies himself, proves himself by his wounds and his scars. And I want you to help me out for a second. I want you to take your finger and I want you just to find a place on your body where you have a scar. And I want you just to rub your hand, your your finger, your hands over that scar. I go on right here, right on the side of my face. Boy, when Lori smacked me, I told him I'd never get... No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Not really. When you feel that scar, a memory comes, doesn't it? But it's not just a memory. It's a story. And it's not a story of what is... It's a story about what was, right? Now, listen very carefully. The problem is, if it's a story of what is, then that's what we're going to work on today. Because our scars are powerful, because they tell a story. Would you go with me just for a minute all the way back in time to when Jesus was on the cross? And just think about that for a moment, will you? So when you look at Jesus hanging on the cross, what do you see? You know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that when you gaze upon the cross, if you know who Jesus is, the Bible tells us that he was not even recognizable. Do you remember what the very first words that were out of Jesus' mouth on the cross? Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, when you hear those words, or when, you, when, when you've been during the time of, of Lent or during that Good Friday, when we, when we hear those words, what comes to your mind? Because I'll be really honest with you, you. know what comes to my mind? There ain't no way I could ever do that. Have you ever thought about what happened to Jesus? First of all, he was betrayed by one of his own. That's hard. The Bible tells us that he was beaten. They slammed him. They punched him in the face. They pulled chunks of his beard out of his cheek. They spit on him. They put a crown of thorns on him and crushed it in so deep that it caused him to bleed. Then the Bible says that they took him out and they they tied him up, And what did they do? And they whipped him with 39 lashes with metal and bone chips. And with each one of those, as they dug in, they ripped out chunks of flesh. And then what did they do? They made him carry his cross. And people were looking at him and making fun of him and yelling at him. And then he gets to the place that's called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And what did they do? They nail him to the cross a spike in each one of his hands and in his feet. And then they put him up, practically naked, in front of everybody. And what are the people are doing? They're pointing at him and they're laughing at him. Oh, he can heal others, but he sure can't save himself. And the first words out of his mouth, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Could you do that? Do you understand the pain and the agony, the embarrassment, the shame that he went through? Oh, wait a minute, let me pause for a minute and let me say to you, yes, some of you can, am I right? You know that pain. You know what it feels like to be betrayed. You know the hurt. You see, Jesus forgave them for all of the horrible things that they had done to him. And now, even now, as we're talking about this, some of you are sitting in your chair or maybe at home behind the screen and you are just as tight as can be because the Spirit has brought up some memories in your life you know the pain, right? You know that man, you know that woman, you remember that touch, you know that abuse, you know that loss, you know that neglect, you know that abandonment, you know the drugs, you know the alcohol, and it goes on and on and on, right? And I want you to hear this this morning. It has never been, nor will ever be God's plan just to cover over that pain. What God wants to do is He wants to heal. He wants to heal those wounds. And then in healing those wounds, He's going to give you a story a story that is going to touch people's lives, a story that is going to change people's lives beginning with your own. So why is it so important that we forgive? Pastor Bob, tell me. Here's the first reason. Because Jesus commanded it. Because Jesus commanded it. Look at what the Scriptures teaches us in Colossians here. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Okay, that's not a suggestion. It's a command. All right, now, if you're like me right now, I'm trying to figure out, okay, so how in the world am I going to begin to deal with this? Well, let me help you out with this, okay? Do you remember in the, in the scripture verse I read a little bit ago, I read from the Lord's Prayer. Do you realize every time that you say the Lord's Prayer, here's what you're praying. Father, forgive my sins in the same way and just like I forgive other people's sins. And then Jesus goes on a little bit farther, and Jesus says, I will forgive your sins if you forgive others, but. And that word, but, is in there, and it's a big but, okay? But. But if you don't forgive other people their sins, my heavenly Father will not forgive you of your sins. And I want you to hold on to your seat for a minute. Do you realize that you can't get into heaven if you don't have forgiveness of sins? This is a serious deal, isn't it? This is a real serious deal. If there's not forgiveness of sins... Nobody can get into heaven. I'm going to show you something here. Human forgiveness and divine forgiveness are inextricably intertwined. Okay? So in other words, what I mean by that is this, is that the way I forgive one one another, the way we forgive one another, that is connected to how God forgives us. All right, now, Now that I've got you a little nervous in your seats, okay, there's hope. Because just like what we've just said is that forgive us our sins as we forgive others, I want to also remind you Jesus also told us, be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. How are you doing with that one? Here's the message. In Mark 9, chapter 24, there's a story of a dad. How many of you are dads? Raise your hand. It's about a dad and his son. For you, it may be your daughter. But you know what? A dad and his son, and this little boy, has been seized by a demon, and it does horrible things to him. And the dad is scared that he's going to lose his son. Have you ever been in a place where you thought maybe you could lose your child? I don't know about you, but I think I would be do about anything for my kids or even my grandkids. Can you relate to that? This means yes. Okay. All right. Now. So he had taken his child to the disciples and they couldn't take care of him. And so now the father goes to Jesus and when he sees Jesus, this is what he says to him. If you can heal. And it's almost like I can just see Jesus looking and say, excuse me, if I can heal, and then the father may, or then the son may, or the, the father, I'm sorry, makes this unbelievable statement. And here's what he says: I believe, because Jesus has told him, okay, your faith is what's going to heal your son. Now, as soon as I would hear that, I would be thinking right away. Boy, I sure hope I have enough faith. And so, father covered the co- father covers his bases. And here's what he says. He says, "I believe." But help my unbelief. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Jesus, I know who you are, and I've heard all about you, but I can't rely on myself. Did you hear that? I can't rely on myself. And in those places in my life where I don't have enough faith, I need you to be that faith. And the boy was healed. Let's go back to the forgiveness of sins. I don't know about you, but Jesus tells us, He says, Bob, I'm gonna forgive you as you forgive others. And you know what? My message to Jesus is this on my own, I can't do it. But if I have you working in and through my life, then together we can do it. So what does this mean here? Here's what it means. It means that that persistent and hardened heart that refuses to forgive, that's the heart that is blinded. That's the heart that is hardened. That's the heart that Jesus is talking about. Does that make sense? so I don't want you to be afraid. Oh my word, I'm still having a hard time forgiving. There's some people I got to forgive and there's no way I can forgive them. And now my pastors tell me, unless I forgive them, I can't get into heaven. On your own, you can't do that. But you know what? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, right? Take a look at this. I must always remember the grace I am daily given and extend that grace to the people in my life. Here's how it begins. I can forgive others by remembering you know what God forgave me and you know what if you ask God hey God would you just remind me of some of the things that I've done wrong in my life oh he'll tell you and as you hear those and you remember those you know what it's like okay God has forgiven me of them now you know what maybe I can forgive others here's what I want you to know and make sure you write this down you know how you are forgiven you know what the proof is that you're forgiven you are forgiving. The proof that you are forgiven is that you are forgiving. Here's the second thing. The second reason we have to, we need to forgive is because it keeps you out of prison. Ladies and gentlemen, bitterness always destroys the vessel in which it's contained, in which it's kept. Hatred, bitterness, anger always destroy the vessel when it's in. And so what we learn is that you can't hold on to God and you can't hold on to bitterness at the same time. Can't happen. You can experience joy and sorrow together, but you can't hold on to bitterness and God at the same time. And so if you can't hold on to God, that means you can't have joy. Bitterness and joy cannot exist together because one destroys the other. So what is forgiveness? Well, let's take a look at it and see. Forgiveness is simply letting go of past grudges or lingering anger against a person who has wronged you despite feelings. So when I forgive somebody, here's what I'm doing. I am releasing punishment from them. I am saying I am no longer going to punish them. I'm remembering what God has done in my life and I refuse to punish them. Now, here's what I want you to remember. It does not mean restoration. It doesn't mean that we all live together in one one happy family. And it certainly doesn't mean that what you went through and all that pain was no big deal. It simply means this. God is working in your life. And God is going to use what you've been going through and he's going to bring healing in your life, not covering, so that you can share with others the goodness of what God has done in your life. You see, forgiveness sets you free. In 1947, there was a lady by the name of Corrie ten Boom. Any of you ever heard of her before? Corrie ten Boom was in Raven's book. It, it was a Nazi prison camp. She and her sister Betsy and her family were arrested because they were hiding Jews. And so the Germans, they took her into this camp and it was a horrible, horrible camp. She talks about how she had to to walk around naked in front of the guards there and how they were horrible to them and how they starved them to death. And, And it was just a horrible, stinky, filthy place. And her sister Betsy even died in that place. And you know what happened? When she got out, she was one of the few that got out. God gave her a message, and here's what God told her. Corey, I'm going to send you all around Germany, and I want you to preach forgiveness. Now, you know what I've learned about German people? They're very stoic. They have very curt personalities. So everywhere she went, there were these Germans in her. She would preach the message of forgiveness, and part of her message was this. God God will take your sins and throw them in the bottom of the sea. And when she was done, the people would get up. No clapping, nothing. They would just get up and they would would just leave. But in 1947, she was at church in Munich, Germany. And out of the corner of her eye, she noticed a man in a gray overcoat who was walking towards her. And as soon as she saw him, she recognized him. He was one of the guards. All of these memories came back about how, how she had paraded in front of him naked, how he had treated them, and he was even partly responsible for her sister's death. And now he comes up to her. He walks right up to her and he says, Fraulein, I too was at Ravensbrook. He said, I loved your message of forgiveness. I need you to know I too now am a Christian. And now I'm asking you, Will you forgive me? I wonder if there was any part of her that just thought, yeah, right. But what's she doing? She's preaching forgiveness. And she talks about how she was just frozen, as stiff as a board. And then suddenly she just began to lift her arm, not on her own, but through the help of her God. And the man grabbed her hand and just said, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she talked about how this warmth, this peace, traveled up her arm and all throughout her body. And she felt, so this is what forgiveness feels like. And she felt free like she had never felt before. Why? Because unforgiveness keeps you in prison. So how do we forgive? Well, let's look at this. Here's the first one: You can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. So you know what you have to do? You have to ask for help. Some of you, you may not do that very good. I don't. But you know, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to something I can't always do on my own, we ask for help. Look at what this scripture verse says here. Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Here's what the Lord is saying to us. When you can't do it on your own, you ask for help. But when you ask for help, you have to believe. Believe what? That with God, he can do anything. I can't do this, God. I'm so angry. I'm so furious. I can't do it, but I know you can do it through me. Look what Jeremiah says here. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Here's the second thing we need to remember. You got to give the hurt to God. How in the world do you do that? It starts out by doing this. Stop listening to yourself and start listening to God. You know what my mind does? My mind just keeps replaying it over and over and over and over again. Oh, there he is. Piece of trash. I remember how he hurt me. I worked my tail off to get to where I was. And he came in and he didn't even know what was going on. And he hurt me. And now I have lost that job. Get him, Lord. Right? But what is supposed to happen is, is, that as we give it to God, we say, you know, Lord, I can't do this, so I'm going to put my feelings down on a piece of paper. I'm going to write down, and here's page six now I'm on. And then, Lord, I'm just going to give it to you. Now, why is that so important? Okay, look at this Bible verse here. Jesus, cried, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. What does that have to do with this? Here's what it has to do. God says, if you love me with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, strength, you're going to give me your love, but you know what? You're going to give me your pain too. God wants your pain. He wants your hurts. He wants you to give it to Him. And so sometimes, you know what? It's just an honest conversation. You know what, Lord? I don't understand what's going on. But you know what? I got a few questions for you. Job did it. But you better remember. For, better think about what could possibly be coming your way afterwards. You can ask God questions, but you can't question Him. And so okay, Lord, I'm giving this hurt to you. I mean, it hurts bad. You know how much I love. You know how much I wanted that position. You know how hard I worked for it. And now, here's the third thing. You have to remember how you have been forgiven. Do you remember the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis? He was thrown in prison. He was sold. He was accused unfairly. And then, when God raised him up, To be the second in command, his brothers were scared. And what did Joseph tell them? He said, "You know what? You guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good." Okay, I'm farther down the road than some of you, and here's what I want you to know: I know some pretty painful experiences that I've been through in my life, and I can tell you this: being on the other side, God will use it for good if you let Him. Am I glad I went through it? Yeah. Well, I say I'm glad, but you know what? Because I went through it. I am where I am, and God keeps his promises. And here's the last thing. You gotta keep on forgiving. It's not like, okay, I see that person, and then I forgive him. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> Everything's good. Nope, that's not what it is at all. Forgiving is not based on a feeling. It's an act of faith. And when I forgive, I have to keep on forgiving. How long do I keep on forgiving until it's gone? You know What? The Bible tells us about God. As far as the east is from the west, I remember your sin no more. He didn't say that about us. We remember. And some of us have long lists, right? But when we give those lists to God, when we forgive and give that back to God, you know what happens? God changes that into a story and now we have stories to tell others this is what will happen if you will simply forgive God. All right, I want to close with this. I know there are probably some of you that are still here that are wondering. I'm not sure, God, Bob. I'm not sure, Pastor Bob. I don't. I'm not sure that you know what that that this forgiveness can really happen. I want to introduce you to a young man. He's 18 years old. His brother was murdered by a police officer. Can you imagine the pain, the hurt, the anger, the hatred? Watch what happened to him. I forgive you, and I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. Watch the judge as he walks in front of her. How powerful or what? That's what God can do through one life. After this, Twitter just exploded. Half the people were thrilled because you know what? They witnessed forgiveness and the other half were furious. And you know why they were furious? They were furious because they had nothing to be furious with. How can you say anything bad about that? But that's what I want you to remember. Forgiveness heals you. But oh, does it change the world? And so, my prayer for you this morning is this. I know where some of you have been, I know where some of you are. God wants to take those wounds. And remember, when Jesus shared his wounds, there were no nails. He was no longer on the cross, he had moved on. And here's what I want you to remember God will take those wounds and he'll give you scars, and then you have a story. What are you supposed to do with that story? You're supposed to tell others. Because in other people's lives, they're going through some of that hurt and pain right now. And God's going to arrange it so your past can intersect. And when they do, God's going to say, now you know why I gave you the story. So you can bless someone else. Let's pray. Father, wow, a tough message. Because we can all relate to this in one way or another including me. We've all been hurt. We've all been treated unfairly. And we look at what Jesus did and we say, I'm supposed to do that. But then, Father, we're reminded of who has taken up residence in each of us. It's the Holy Spirit. And that same Jesus, that same Spirit that said, Father, forgive them, lives in each of us. We can do it. Not in our own power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our world needs to see what forgiveness looks like. Because it's probably the thing that makes us look most like Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. I have two things to say to you real quickly. Number one is that one of the things that we do, remember, we want to be known for what we're for, not what we're against. We really support Embrace. Embrace is a ministry here in Wichita that helps young ladies who are on their way to get an abortion. And what we do, we come alongside of them and we help them with their counseling and we, the purpose is to save these babies. Out in the back there, we've got these bottles. And you know what? I need you to take a bottle and just take it home and just fill it full of change and then bring it back on Father's Day. And then we're going to take all the money, we're going to take the bottles, we're going to give to them, and we're going to, we're going to support them in how they are supporting life. Here's the second message I want to tell you. And this has to do with more of first service, but Pastor George and his wife, Pat, are over here. Um, the church council is sending them on a sabbatical, okay? Pastor George has been in ministry for many, many years, and he has never had break. He's never had a place where he's taken Christmas off. And so, you know what? We're going to give him a time to go and get some rest, a time to go and and spend some time with the Lord. And so, we are so thankful for he and Pat, and you know what? Today's their last day, and then they're going to come back the first week in August. And so, I'm going to ask them to stand where they are, please, and let's give them a round of applause. Okay, so stay standing. So um, so the one thing I want to say to all of you is leave them alone, okay? <laughs> They're going to completely unplug, leave them alone, okay? But now I want you to pray for somebody else, Pastor Phil, because Pastor Phil is going to be taking over not only second service, but also first service. We have somebody who's going to be doing the orchestra, so we're going to be taken care of. We have all the, the confidence in him so that Pastor George and Pat can get away and just just hear from the Lord, and then when they come back, boy, we're going to be rockling and rolling, right? All right. Receive the benediction before you go. And as you go this week, I'm praying that God would fill you with the desire to forgive. And some of you may need to forgive yourself. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace and his joy, and his strength. God bless you. We'll see you next week.